0: Thanks for tuning in this weekend to Let's Talk Portland, Intercom Radio Portland's weekly public affairs program. I'm Gary Bloxon. We are almost a year into this global pandemic. We know how it's affected each of us with stress, worry, confusion, and illness. But what effect has COVID had on children? Let's talk about it. On the show this time, I would like to welcome Dr. Jenny Malcolm. Dr. Malcolm is a pediatrician with Metropolitan Pediatrics. Hey there, Dr. Malcolm, how are you? Hi, I'm doing well, how about you? I'm doing great. Good. I we'd probably get started today with uh, kind of a little insight into as to who you are and talk about Metropolitan Pediatrics.
1: Okay, that sounds great. I'm a pediatrician. I've been practicing for almost nine years. I trained up at Oregon Health and Science University, and I work at our Bridgeport location. Metropolitan Pediatrics has six different locations um, in the Portland metro area, um, including Happy Valley, uh, uh, Sunnyside, um, and Happy Valley Johnson Creek, um, Gresham, our Northwest Portland location, and our Beaverton location as well.
0: And you work mostly with kids? Yeah,
1: exclusively with kids. Yeah, we see kids from birth to about age 19. Um, and we see them for all kinds of different things. Uh, primarily, we are we serve as a medical home. Um, so we do well child checks. We have behavioral health at our clinics as well. We have care managers that help with our most complex kids. Um, And then we, of course, see um, kids who are sick and who have injuries and some of those um, urgent care type visits that you might think about.
0: What has it been like during the pandemic?
1: It's been interesting. I think (laughs) um, it's been very... um, it's been a challenge. Let's just put it that way. Just, just as I think it has been for for most people, um, when everything hit last March, almost a year ago, we really had to change. How we were seeing patients, we were getting ready for sort of a big surge uh, of people getting sick, and that didn't really happen. Um, But we started separating our sick and and well visits um, a lot more than we had before. Um, And yeah, I think just, you know, it's been starting to normalize a little bit more um, in the last couple months, uh, but still... If people are feeling nervous about uh, coming into the doctor. Uh, so we're trying to do everything we can to make people feel comfortable and really try to, to, to separate our well uh, child and our sick, sick kid,
0: kids as well. Are you doing in-person uh, visits with, with children right now?
1: We are, okay. yeah, we are we we um, when coronavirus hit, we ended up starting telehealth visits. We'd been talking about it for a long time, but just hadn't um, sort of finalized all the details. and then within twenty four hours after coronavirus hit, we had telehealth visit going. So we do do quite a bit of telehealth, but we are doing in-person uh, checkups as well. um we We found that with coronavirus um, and the the this global pandemic, a lot of kids, especially um, are are falling behind on their well care so falling behind on vaccines and um, and just their checkups and growth and development and so yes we're definitely seeing them in person
0: what was it like i was I was kind of curious about this earlier today when I was thinking about talking to you is what was it like to do a telehealth visit with a kid because they're bouncing around <laughs> enough already
1: <laughs> it's actually It's actually pretty great. There's some challenges for sure, but um, it's really fun to see a kid in their own environment where they feel very, very comfortable. Uh, So you'll see kids uh, open up a lot more um, on a telehealth visit. uh, And, you know, with with the 15-month-old, those are the kids that really have a lot, like developmentally they have a fair amount of stranger anxiety when they come to the doctor. They really could not care less that you're there sitting there on the screen talking to them. And it's really nice because you can really see how, how they're doing.
0: That's great. And I bet the parents, um, help out a lot in that case too.
1: They do. Yeah. They help out a lot. And then the occasional pet walks through the screen as well, which is always a bonus for everybody. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I've done a couple of telehealth visits myself and yeah, my doctors are at their home and I see their children running behind them. And <laughs>
1: Yes, that is so true. Yeah, we I've done some at my house and, and it's great because our patients are very gracious about that. I think they really understand. I mean, they're living it right and, and as are we. And so yeah, when my dog is barking in the background, or my kids are yelling for a snack, they totally get it and we we connect on a different level.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how do you talk to kids about the pandemic and about Coronavirus?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I think it really depends uh, on their age, uh, as we think about their developmental stages. I think my recommendation would be to try and be as open uh, and honest as possible about the coronavirus and about the pandemic in general, um, and. As you're talking about it or as it comes up um, in daily conversation, trying to be calm about it. I think kids really listen to what we say, but a lot of what they take from what we say is how we say it. And so being calm, even though inside we may not be feeling very calm, um, which is okay, but trying to sort of have that exude that sort of calmness for them, I think Doing a lot of reassurance that they're safe and um, that they're that they're going to be okay, and also letting them know that it's okay to feel worried and upset, and that there are a lot of things that are new and different that they they may be having a hard time sort of wrapping their heads around. I for a lot of my patients, I, I encourage trying to limit um, news and social media regarding COVID um, as much as as possible. Uh, I think some of it is okay, but, but when it's on constantly, it can really um, cause a fair amount of stress for kids and anxiety and maybe scary. Um, And then I think, you know, teaching kids how to do some actionable things that can help prevent them from getting sick or help prevent the spread of coronavirus can be really helpful. So teaching them, how to wear their masks um, and how to and explain that they're really protecting other people and they're being a superhero by wearing their mask Um, and, you know, how to appropriately wash their hands and how to stay, you know, six feet away from from someone as well.
0: Kids that are going through this right now might have pretty good hygiene skills for the rest of their lives. They've had some good training (laughs) over the last year. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I I can imagine. My I find my daughter sometimes washing her hands. She's five, and she will sing the happy birthday song twice, um, pretty much every time. So
0: she she's really
1: learned how to how to wash her hands.
0: Have you treated any children with coronavirus?
1: Um, I have, yes, I have, and um, thankfully, most of the time. Uh, For kids who get coronavirus, from a medical perspective, they have relatively mild symptoms. Um, It's usually a a self-limited infection. It's a viral infection that your immune system um, has to fight off. And, you know, we've seen kids that have really a gamut of symptoms. Like typically it's like we think of it as respiratory, like cough and runny nose, um but often they'll have a rash sometimes even some gastrointestinal symptoms like diarrhea and vomiting and often fever as well
0: do we know of any long term effects that children may experience
1: well, we, we do know about, or we're learning more about, I should say, um, this entity called, it's a post-inflammatory reaction called MIS-C, and it stands for multi-system inflammatory syndrome in children. Thankfully, it's, it's relatively rare. Um, in Oregon, we've only seen about, well, when we look at the, the numbers, it's between 10 and 30 in Oregon and, and um, nationwide, about 2,000 cases, but it, We think it's associated with coronavirus. We're not 100% sure yet, but it tends to happen after an infection where different parts of the body can get really inflamed Um, and typically will present with a fever, um, stomach pain, vomiting, diarrhea, and rash. But thankfully, like I said, this is not something that we have seen a lot of.
0: That's good, yeah. And the vaccine is rolling out. So, uh, it is, what does that mean for everybody?
1: Well, I think we're starting to see some of the effects of it, but I think, um, you know, the way I, I see it, it, it's the, it's sort of the beginning of, of the end is, is my, is my hope as we, as we look at this pandemic and, um, how long it's lasted. Um, so yeah, the vaccine. I actually got mine. Uh, gosh, let me think about this. It was, um, I got my second one about a week ago or so. So, um, great. so I've been through it. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was an interesting process. It, it's, um, relatively, you know, well-organized right now in Oregon. Um, we're doing the vaccination in stages where initially healthcare workers and first responders can get the vaccine, as well as um, residents of long-term care facilities, um, and now childcare workers and teachers, and this week, um, people who are 80 and above. So, it's sort of this, this role, like, slow rolling out, mainly due to our supply issue. Um, unfortunately, we don't have, I mean, we have vaccines, but um, not an overabundance of it. So we're having to be really careful about how we, how we roll it out. Um, But yeah, the, the vaccine itself um, was a little poke. Um, The really common side effects and the ones that I had were a a pretty sore arm for a couple days. I was tired. Um, And then um, other people have reported, you know, having a fever, sometimes um, a rash or swelling around the site. Um, And sometimes you can have even some like sort of gastrointestinal symptoms like vomiting and diarrhea afterwards as well.
0: I think every time I've had a flu shot, which is every year, my arm's sore for a couple of days, even just a flu shot. And it,
1: yeah, yeah. Yep. And that's a pretty common one because, you know, the vaccine itself is actually going into the muscle. And so, yeah, it, it, it does get a little bit sore. I had to remind my kids not to barrel into me <laughs> on that side several times.
0: Well, and they, I, you know, on, on the TV reports, they're always showing, oh, the vaccine's here. And then they show somebody getting a shot in the arm. Those needles look kind of long. I didn't ever know that yeah. they were that long.
1: Yeah, and I think it depends on, like, for kids, their, you know, vaccine needles are actually, you know, a little bit shorter, like five-eighths of an inch, but for bigger people, um, or adults, I should say, like like me, um, it's more like an inch long, so, yeah. And don't
0: let the needle scare you from getting the vaccine. Get the vaccine when you can, right?
1: Totally. Okay. Absolutely. Yep. Whenever, um, whenever it's, it's your turn to be able to get the vaccine, I'm hopeful that everyone will, will take that chance and ask, you know, going out if you have questions about it, which a lot of people do. And I, and I get that this is a new vaccine. Um, your doctor is a great place to start or your kid's doctor is a, is a great place to start. As of right now, as you probably know, um, it's only kids 16 and 18 and above that, that um, have been studied um, with the vaccines that are available in the United States, um, but there are trials that are, uh, that are going on right now for kids 12 and above, um, and I believe they're also enrolling for kids 5 and above, 5 or 6 and above um, in the next couple of months as well, so we'll have more data to look at um, when it comes to safety in kids
0: do you have any idea when kids might be able to get the vaccine? Is that, that's still a ways away, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it depends how you define kids. I think for teens and sort of um, like, yeah. So late, late teens for sure now, but, but teens starting around 12, it may be as soon as the summer, I think for younger kids. though, it will probably, probably be um, a few more months
0: after that. And kids are kind of going back to school a little bit too, isn't that? Mm-hmm. It seems like that w- yeah. would be important to be vaccinated before getting back into school. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think um, I think that is true. Um, and and yet it's it's I think it, it will be probably like I said a, a little bit longer, a few more months uh, before we can get kids vaccinated because they're, they're currently being studied, but Oregon is looking at um, reopening uh, schools. They're using a, a, there, there's been a collaboration between the Oregon Health Authority and the Oregon Department of Education. It's called Ready Schools, Safe Learners, where specific guidelines and recommendations have been laid out about opening schools. And it includes county specific metrics regarding COVID. Um, and I think, you know, it depends. It really depends a lot about how community, community spread as COVID is going. If it's really high in a specific community, um, you know, that might uh, give you pause. Um, as it's getting better, I think that there actually has been a fair amount of data that shows that going back to school with, um, with certain things in place can can work. And those things that have been looked at really extensively are the things that we're all trying to do, I think in our everyday life. So distancing, cohorting, which is where maybe just 10 kids in a class are together rather than 20 or 30 kids in one class. Um, Obviously hand hygiene as we were just talking about, um, frequent disinfection of the high touch surfaces, face masks, and then, of course, um, doing some screening and, you know, not coming to school when, when feeling sick. But I do think, you know, the caveat to that is that every family really needs to look at their own risk individually. Um, if their child has a high-risk medical condition or if there's someone at home that does, I think that's a really good conversation to have um, with your pediatrician.
0: Yeah, and keeping the hybrid option available, that's a good thing, I think.
1: Yes, absolutely. Having choices for families as we sort of go into this unknown um that none of us have
0: experienced before yeah mm-hmm. um so can we mis dispel some some vaccination misconceptions there's There's a yes. lot out there, and where did they come from and and what 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 are these misconceptions all about
1: right, yeah, well, I think there um there is a um a a fair number of the population that has questions about vaccines and had questions about them before the coronavirus vaccine was developed. Um, And I think there are some misconceptions about some of the side effects um, and some of the things that vaccines could do long term. Um, which really have been dispelled by years and years of science. For example, um, the connection of um, certain vaccines with autism. Um, th- that's still a, a belief um, in the community. Um, and I think with the mRNA vaccine, I think there are a lot of questions just because it is – it is. Um, vaccine, which is an mRNA vaccine, which is our first ever mRNA vaccine. I think the thing that's really important to keep in mind is that although this is, you know, new technology, um, the scientists that have been looking at coronaviruses, which are many others besides COVID-19, have been looking at doing a, a vaccine for specific types of coronavirus like MERS and SARS. Um, and they've been doing research on this for at least a decade. Um, so that that's the great news is that those building blo- blocks were built well before this COVID-19 pandemic started. Um, and lots and lots of research went into to that, I think. You know the issue with the the pandemic, obviously, is that because it's been so global, there's lots of things that have sort of brought people together to make this vaccine. Governments have come together. Lots of money has been um, invested in this. Lots of people. Um, had been working really hard on it. Whereas before, since um, the MERS and SARS outbreaks weren't very large comparatively, um, I think things were just kind of going along at a certain pace. But but the pace certainly went up once COVID-19 hit.
0: Pretty astounding how quickly it came together. Yeah, yeah, yeah it and is. They, and they yep. did all the protocols that were necessary as they would mm-hmm. with developing any vaccine. They, they just condensed it into, what, yeah. nine months or something? Yep.
1: Yep. They. They're. Yeah. They did. um, They did the three phases of trials that are usually done um, with vaccines, and I think one um, different, another difference besides the ones that we just talked about um, is that there was again a lot of money by different governments and um, institutions was given to this cause, and vaccine was able to be sort of um, made concurrently as the studies were being done, which typically is never done. Like usually you wait for the study results because if say it's, it's a dud, right? Say it doesn't work. You wouldn't have wanted to invest all this money um, in a vaccine that didn't work. Uh, But in this case, because there was so much money, they were able to do that and, um, and then see, you know, when, when the results actually came out, that vaccine was ready to use.
0: It was it was super nice to see the world come together and we're, okay we're gonna get this we're gonna figure yeah. this out that was
1: yeah I think that that is this, you know a kind of a silver lining it's it's it is nice to see that collaboration of everyone coming together.
0: So like we talked about earlier, it's been almost a year since we've all been kind of quarantining or adjusting our lives and and having kids at home and working from home and all of that stuff. Do you have any advice for parents who may be at their wits' end (laughs) and may have been at their wits' end for quite some time now?
1: (laughs) You mean like me? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Well, I'll I'll just say this. I think um, there is a lot of... um, we, we, there's a lot of empathy, let's just say that. Um, we are all, all feeling sort of the effects of being quarantining and just doing all the things that we've been doing um, to help prevent the spread of COVID-19. And it's definitely had... Um, you know it's had it's had its toll on us it's on us as as parents as caregivers um, on our kids we've definitely see, seen our kids um, you know struggle through this um, and yet it's it's also kind of cool to see how um, resilience plays a part in this where we know that um, you know kids, kids especially, I think, and, and are just resilient little human beings. I mean, this this year has really thrown them a curveball um, and not to minimize the struggles that have happened because they're real and I see them every day in clinic. But um, it is really neat to see kids who are just bouncing back from this um, and learning different ways of of doing things, different ways of learning and different ways of being with their family and friends and um, different ways to entertain um, themselves. But as a, yeah, as a parent to another parent, know that you're not alone um, and that there's, a lot of support out there for you whether it's at your pediatricians and in our offices at metropolitan pediatrics we do have behavioral health um, not only your pediatrician but behavioral health that can pop in during a, a visit with your pediatrician or potentially do a consult um, if you're feeling like um, your kid is really struggling with um, some of the effects of the of the pandemic
0: yeah, behavioral health and mental health have really uh, come to the forefront we've that, that, those are important things
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are, and I think yeah, we've we've seen that a lot during this time. I think you know, kids, and and I mean, just as humans, we 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 are social beings. So for that to be um, changed so much um, in the last year. Uh, it's hard to it's hard to you know believe that this wouldn't have an effect on on mental health um, I think just the changes in routine can be really hard for a lot of people whether it's with school or like we talked about seeing friends and family um, just having that grief of missing certain life events um, like you know birthday parties and and big weddings and even when you know when as people have died during this pandemic we haven't been able to grieve in the way we normally do by going to a funeral role and, and, you know, remembering our loved one. Um, I think an interesting thing to think about too, for some kids who struggle with anxiety at school, I, in clinic, I've seen some kids, actually, this is a little bit of a relief like to be at home and not necessarily be in that social environment. But I do worry as we go, as our kids go back to school, that that might bring back a fair amount of anxiety for those, for those kids as
0: well. So if you had a crystal ball, and you could look mm-hmm. uh, six months to a year in the future. What do you what do you see for us?
1: Oh man, that's a hard question. Well, this is a little bit of what I hope. Um, but I'm hoping that you know schools will be open in a safe way. That we have vaccine um, COVID uh, nineteen vaccine available for pretty much anyone who can get it um, and who is able to get it. And it will see the numbers of coronavirus really, really plummet. Um, I'm hopeful that our healthcare systems will be less burdened um, in six months to a year. And we're starting to already see that just in the last few weeks. So um, I have a lot of hope for that. I don't think life will be 100% back to normal, even in a year's time. Um, I think most likely, we'll still be using masks um, and doing a lot with hygiene. Um, but I'm, I'm very hopeful that we'll be very, you know, that we'll be closer to normal than we have been in a long time.
0: We definitely seem to be moving in the right direction, especially like you say, over the last couple of weeks.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, the numbers that we're seeing in the last couple of weeks are giving um, people a lot of hope. And there's, um, you know, more and more is is. Um, being discovered about um, the vaccine the vaccines that are available there's new vaccines that are um, being reviewed right now um, and I think yeah in the science community at least there is a lot of hope that this is this is like I said before the hopefully the beginning of the end of this pandemic
0: uh, that's good news thank you for that, <laughs> l- that little bit of, of, of sunshine <laughs> well this has been a great conversation I'd like to thank you so much for being on the show
1: Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it.
0: We've been talking today with Dr. Jenny Malcolm, pediatrician with Metropolitan Pediatrics. If you'd like to hear this interview again, a podcast is available online. Just search Let's Talk Portland on the radio.com app. Let's Talk Portland is an Entercom public affairs program.